0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a class from our 2022 Elul Learning Series. So my thing is about uh, uh, the inner work of the high holidays, of of the month of Elul, and really the inner work for our entire year, but but certainly... uh, we seem to put more focus on it at this time of the year. So Rabbi Heschel says that the most unnoticed of all miracles is the miracle of repentance of Chuva. It's not the same as rebirth. It's transformation, creation. In the dimension of time, there's no going back. But the power of repentance causes time to be created backward and allows recreation of the past to take place. So for me, what, what my experience, uh, uh, with Chuba for the last 35 and almost 36 years is that, um, I have been able to change the past by A, doing my own inner work, uh, to see where I hit the mark and where I missed the mark. And B, um, to make the amends and look to enhance, for for where I missed the mark and enhance where I hit the mark. Now I use missing the mark because our long confessional on Yom Kippur is the Al which is of course, you know, for the sin which we have committed. But hate is not a sin as we know it in in the English language in, in the uh, um Christian interpretation of it. For um for Jews, achet is an archery term. It, it means missing the bullseye. So when I look at my life from that place, when I look at my day, when I look at my week, my month, my year, my years, from missing the mark or hitting, hitting the mark, it takes away a lot of the the, um, the shame and, and guilt, uh, shame and blame that uh, um, I engaged in prior to this, this way of living. Um, and and I think that that's a really, really important um, way to start this. I have to just, I, I have to, all my devices don't always sync up, so I just hit an alert on my phone, so I put that on do not disturb as well. Um, but is this making sense to, to you both? By the way, you can unmute with me, and we can just have this as a discussion.
1: Um, yes. And I just a, a different thing. Maybe I should have said because I know it's hard. And teachers say on Zoom all the time they'd like to see faces, but I'm not well, and I'm mostly bedridden. So for me, I turning on the video is not something I can do.
0: No, that's well, all can't. right.
1: This is- that that makes sense to do. That's what I meant.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, a conversation is, there's only three of us, so so you know, just ending the conversation for me makes makes this work as well. Carl, what is, is this making sense to you?
2: Yes, it does, and uh, I guess I I like the uh, bringing out the idea of missing the mark being the interpretation we want to focus on for hate, but wondered if you might be able to say a little bit more about. That word and how it's used biblically and how we got to that interpretation of missing the mark or are there other connotations as well in different places that it's used
0: well in biblical Hebrew it is the least uh, you know there's uh, um, there's khayt, there's uh, um, asham, which is guilt there's uh, Hesha which is uh, um, Kind of knowing that I'm doing the wrong thing, but maybe I can get away with it. And then there's an Averos, which is purposely doing the wrong thing. So, hate is, is the, uh, um, lesser of all of that, uh, of all of that. And in the, um, in Leviticus, our, um, our offer, uh, the offerings, the korbanot for, uh, uh, hate is, um, it's not as uh, um, it's not as punitive. It's not as serious. It's not, it it it's not uh, um, you know it 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 doesn't have that same power. And in one of the things that we say you know during the during the days of Elul, and we say on on um, on Yom Kippur of course is the Adonai Adonai prayer. Adonai Adonai El rahum no Avon So um God is merciful, all merciful, you know, in in um all the attributes. And the last the last uh um phrase no se avon bofesha be binak is that it's like Cleaning, cleansing, uh, um, forgiving, even the sins that, that we did willingly and purposefully, as well as the ones, well, we weren't sure one way or the other, and then the hate, the missing the mark, and, and we're clean. So the purpose of El is for us to get clean, and to recreate, uh, uh, in, in some cases, uh, our past because once i can be responsible for where i miss the mark and see where i hit the mark i get a a, a greater picture of myself i do the true both the the amends that i i need to make to to restore a connection and, and um, or possibly restore a connection and certainly restore the dignity and the humanity to whomever i um i harmed with my missing the mark my uh, unintentional and my intentional uh um, harms and well, I,
2: that's that uh, makes a lot of sense and i guess it, it it calls the obvious question okay how do we do that
0: well that's what <laughs> that's i i actually have a um a, a plan for it
2: very good
0: okay so um Rabbi Dean Steinhold says the first thing we have to do is um, the the act of repentance is in the first place a severance of the chain of cause and effect in which one one missing the mark in, inevitably uh, uh follows another. Okay, so I am going to um, share my screen right now. You can see my screen, right?
1: Um, yes,
2: yep, okay. I see some words, okay, so
1: so, on the right, there's a, a I've never quite seen this. there's a paintbrush silhouette, and it says nothing selected
0: right, because I have it on format, so let me get it out of that oh, thank it. thank you, thank you for pointing that out to me. I'm not always. I I, I, I'm I think I'm much better with technology than I actually am. Oh, it's
1: interesting. (laughs) Uh, May I uh, may ask a question though? Sure. I I don't know why this just occurred to me. I think because when I realized that I did know who you were. So for you, the English of missing the mark and your given English name. Do you? uh, For you, if you're willing to talk about it, does that give it any? Particular, um, I don't know what what I want—strength or emphasis or something.
0: Well, when I first learned it, what I realized was that I had been missing being me. Yes, being Mark. That's a very, very um, astute and, and um, interesting question, because. This process that we're gonna go through is how I how I started to be and live into more of who Mark actually is. So while I make mistakes, I no longer miss who I am. One of the things that this process has been able has has helped me to do is to acknowledge my my missing the marks, my errors, and not apologize for being me. Because my imperfections are also part of me. Hi Karen. Glad you're may here. I,
1: may I ask one more quick thing? Sure. When I'm when you spoke at Cage years ago, you were working, I think, at Beit Shuva? Yes. And is that where you are still?
0: No, I uh, uh I'm retired from Beit Shuva. So um it's the place that I was the founding rabbi and my wife created and founded, so Uh, before we were married. So we have been doing this, of course, at at Beit Shuba, but I've I've done this as an Eli talk. I've done it as uh, um, throughout the country. So Carl, uh, to go to your question, when I ask myself, how have I missed the mark through feelings of excessive guilt and worthlessness, I'm starting with the Oshambul and I'm turning it inward. See, it's easy to see all of the... um, all of the things that we've done wrong to someone else, yet a lot of us miss the harms that we have done to ourselves, which cause the harms us to, to harm another, which cause us to, um, stay stuck. And the, the, the purpose of this type of work is to, uh, um, I I write every day, I write a blog on on Rabbi Heschel's uh, teachings. And I've been working with a a phrase that uh, says the mind, let me get it exactly. The mind is in search of rational coherence, the soul in quest of celebration. So what I've realized is that many of us have irrational uh, coherence and we have it as a um as a result of both society and um uh, our environment and our our upbringing etc so when i take a look and i ask myself how have i how have i missed the mark through feelings of excessive guilt and worthlessness i begin with the guilt i had about my daughter about the um, you know, being a drunk and, and a criminal for the first eight years of her life, and because I kept feeling excessively guilty and and no good, there's something wrong with me. I'm defective. Um, you know, all those things. Um, I kept doing. I kept doing. I get. I got stuck in a cycle in a, in a loop of the same behaviors over and over again. So when I look at it, then I have to ask myself, who is impacted? I always have to put God on myself. So my excessive uh, uh guilt and worthlessness led me to do more and more bad things. It didn't get me out of it because I was so overwhelmed with it. Is this making sense to anybody? No, yes. Give me a thumbs up, something.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I can. I hear the the story and uh, want to want to know how where it's going.
0: Okay, but and also, Carl, look at it in your own life. Look at how uh, we felt guilty and wanted to blame somebody else and and criticize somebody else because of our own inner um, feelings of not being worthy, not being good enough, all of those things.
1: Rabbi, are you saying it's rejection?
0: No, I'm saying that it's a, a, an actual experience that we have. Think of the moments when any of us have felt so guilty, like, oh, no, I've done something so bad, or they'll never forgive me, or, um, you know, I, I'm just not good enough for fill in the blank. We all experience it. And this this is a... Deep dive I, I've learned this from Rabbi Jonathan Oberman and and Rabbi Harold Schulweis. This is a deep dive into really what's going on in my inner life. What are the messages I'm telling myself what is is you know how how am I relating to me? So I have to look at who is impacted, including God and myself, and then I have to see how they were impacted. So my daughter learned not to trust. She learned it was that, that the person she should be able to, one of the two people she should be able to trust most to always, most to always be there were there. My brother was impacted because he kept, it, it kept him up at nights. He would have, uh, um, nightmares that he'd have to come to California from New York to pick up my body because I'd be dead in a ditch. My sister was bereft because I was one of her main connections after our father died. And all of the people who, because of my own worthlessness, my own inner dialogue, I would steal from, I would lie to, I would do that, all those things. Then I have to look at what have I learned from this experience. So one of the things I learned is that I have to show up. I have to be the father that Heather needs me to be, not the father I want to be. And then I have to look at what's the true, but what's the repair? What's my new response? Because as Rabbi Heschel says, that through the forgiving hand of God, harm and blemish, which we have created against the world and against ourselves, will be extinguished, transformed into salvation. For many years, we've experienced history as a judgment. He's saying, that repentance is an absolute spiritual tradition, decision made in truthfulness. Its motivations are remorse for the past and responsibility for the future. So only in this way, in this manner is it possible and valid. So by doing this work, my tshuva becomes something that is, I no longer have, um, I'm no longer judgmental about myself and or another human being. I can accept what is. And my, my soul, my inner life then refutes, argues with, negates the, um, the conventional notions and, and mental cliches that the world has, uh, has and has taught me. This is really a deep dive into oneself. And then I have to look, of course, in the next sheet, which is how have I hit the mark through the good I've done? So I have to be responsible for the good I've done. And that is a lot of times harder than seeing the negativity or the harms. Because you see, if I take credit for the good I've done, somebody will say, oh, look who thinks he's so holy. Oh, look who thinks he's so great. And all of that other, you know, um, what I call, pardon the expression, happy or sure. But it's really a controller. So by seeing where uh, I missed the mark through excessive guilt and worthlessness, I take away the control that that has had over me, that power. And by acknowledging the good that I, I do, I've done and I do, that enhances my self-worth and my own um, commitment to continue to do the next right thing. Is this making sense to you, Carl? Uh
2: yes. Um, um resonating with one aspect of your comment there that um just taking credit for the good things, it could be more of an internal recognizing for yourself. Um maybe it doesn't need to be so much uh seeking external recognition and so uh, you can avoid some of those pitfalls of seeking praise or, uh, glory from the outside world.
0: Right. And, and that's, a, that's an important piece here because as soon as I seek the praise or the glory from the outside world, I am now, um, I'm performing. I'm not experiencing. It's a performance art instead of um, an internal way of being. You're right. I externalize it then. And this is about the internal. And we have to remember that one good thing doesn't cancel out one bad thing, nor does one bad thing cancel out one good thing. They live separate. They're, they're, They're separate existences. The... Problem of course, or the catch is that the negative, the negativity has a longer shelf life than positivity. Yes. (laughs) So I go through the same process. Who was impacted? How? What have I learned? And then what's my plan to enhance and continue these actions? That's using Ashamnu as an internal experience. Then I go to Bogadnu. Bogadnu is betrayal. So how have I betrayed myself? When have I done something that I just knew wasn't the right thing, but I went along to, I, I, I went, I went along to get along. Mm-hmm. When did I do something that was expedient, even though I knew, mm, I mean, that's part of uh, uh, what happens in, in pack mentality. When I want to be one of the group, I will betray myself at times, not all the time, but certainly at some times. So, you know, when, when I, um, when I get, when I get carried away because of something and, and I go on, um, a tangent, I betray me because I get into tunnel vision whenever i uh, have an experience of i'm right you're wrong i could be betraying myself because i i stop hearing you and hearing any wisdom that another person has to offer when i am judgmental not judging but judgmental when i've already decided when a prejudice or a bias uh, um starts to uh run me or creep in I'm betraying myself, my soul, because I'm no longer open to learn. I'm no longer uh, I'm engaged in community, in communion, in, in in a covenant. I am setting myself up as the arbiter of what's right, wrong. That is a betrayal of my soul. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? Yes. Okay. So again, we go through the same questions in order to get a better vision of who I am and what I need to do to grow. I'll never be perfect at it. We're not supposed to be perfect. But this is how I can sever myself from my betrayal, sever myself from my excessive guilt, worthlessness. I have to sever myself from that. Otherwise it continues to just gnaw at me, bang away, etc., etc. et, cetera,
2: et cetera. Rabbi, I'm sorry. At, at this point I have to leave my patient here, but I'll look forward to watching the recording later.
0: Okay. Thank you, Carl. Be well. Bye. Bye now. Thank you. So in continuing, what happens is, is that, um, this severance allows me to shatter the order of my own existence. And I'm able to, as Rabbi uh, Steinsalt says, break through the ordinary limits of myself. Because you see, I limit myself. I limit myself to betrayal. I limit myself to uh, um, excessive guilt and worthlessness. I become so much smaller than who I really am. I limit myself by saying, Uh, um, same shit, different day. I limit myself by um, comparing and competing. So breaking through the ordinary limits of myself means that I break through the shell that uh, um, I put around my soul, my true, my authentic being. The next one, of course, is because to do an inventory, which is what Juba calls for, I have to see assets and liabilities. So the next is, how have I hit the mark by acts of loyalty and kindness? How have I stayed loyal and true to my inner life, to my neshama, to my, uh, um, my own morality? Because anytime we go against our, our morality, we come up with this irrational coherence as to why it's good and it's okay. So these worksheets are here for us to be able to say, you know what, I am not, I'm not going to give in to the irrational coherence, to the excuses for the um, ways of being that have for a long time allowed me to be okay with the ways I've harmed me as well as other people. Because just as when we hurt another person, we hurt God. When we hurt ourselves, we're hurting God because we are created in the image of God also. So I have to look at how have I hit the mark by these acts of loyalty and and kindness, loyalty to truth, loyalty to commitment, loyalty to communion, loyalty to the covenant that we have, whether it's with our children, our spouses, our parents, our friends, our community, our work, etc. We have gotten into um, transactional connection much more than we've gotten into covenantal. We have uh, um, we're we're more used to. Um, an I it relationship rather than an I thou, where we're able to be who we are, and and be more afraid of hiding than we are of of being seen, and that goes back, of course, to the uh, story of Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, God says, Ayeka, where are you? Adam replies, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked, so I hid. Think about how much hiding we have done, how much hiding we have experienced from other people. So hiding became the way of humankind. We put on the right clothes, we put on the right, uh, we have the right political, um, uh, stance, whatever, whatever, wherever you are on the spectrum, on the, on the continuum of politics, we have the right religious Et cetera, Etc. Cetera, et cetera, We do everything by the right in order to hide ourselves. And what does God respond? He responds to Cain. You know, it goes uh, um the next chapter to Cain, you know, that he, Abel's offering was accepted. And to Cain, uh, and his offering, God paid no heed. Cain was much distressed and his face fell. <clears throat> and the Lord said to Cain, why are you distressed? Why is your face fallen? Surely if you do right there is uplift but if you do not do right missing the mark negativity couches at the door it's urges towards you and you can master it you can overcome it so this hiding this negativity this this uh, um low self esteem etc in some ways it is part of our upbringing and we can master it First of all, how would Cain know if God accepted uh, um, his offer or not? I mean, you know, it's not like God's talking to everybody and just, oh, thanks a lot, et cetera. And yet, when we do the next right thing, we're uplifted. And when we don't, that negativity couches at the door. So think about how how or the types of negativity that couch at the doorway of your mind. The doorway of your emotion. And by doing this type of inventory, we can then say, hmm, not so much anymore. So Ashandu Boganu Gazanu, Gazanu is stealing misappropriation. So how have I missed the mark? Wait, miss- Rabbi? Yeah. May
1: I take you back before because sure. maybe I didn't hear it correctly, but I got stuck on a phrase that you used. Did you say irrational coherence? Yes. I couldn't make any sense of that.
0: Okay, uh, it's a term I just came up with. I I, I come up with these ideas in these ways. Irrational coherence is when I take things that just aren't true or not right and I make them okay.
1: Oh, so it's not that you think that irrationality coheres the way rationality coheres. It's a, um, I, and I'm groping for the words. It's a way to describe, uh, a rationalist, a certain kind of rationalization. Yes. Got it. Okay.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So I go to misappropriation of money, of time, of energy. When do I spend too much? When do I spend too little? How am I, uh, um, kind of hedging on my tzadaka and how am I, over uh, um, doing tzedakah. time management do I spend enough time with myself do I spend enough time with do I spend the, the appropriate not enough but the appropriate time with myself the appropriate time with another the appropriate time with family given that moment because misappropriation is is a um It's a very nuanced experience because while yesterday spending this much time on something was appropriate, today it might not be. So it's a constant review of what is, both time, money, and my energy. How much energy do I spend trying to be right? How much energy do I spend accepting what is? How much energy do I uh, expend Denying what is. How much energy do I expend in my work, in my home, at my shul, in my community? And is it appropriate for what's needed in that moment, in that time? Knowing that it's never a constant. That all of this fluctuates depending on what is happening in What's the context of this moment rather than relying on, you know, if I did it yesterday, it, it's good enough to do the same way today. You know, in AA, in recovery, uh, some people say, well, if I do today what I did yesterday, I'll stay in recovery. And I say, no, you have, there's got to be one grain of sand more. And you have to make sure that you're expending the appropriate money, time, energy, wisdom Learning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for what's going on right now. So some days 12 hours was the appropriate time of, uh, uh, the appropriate time to work and the 150% was the appropriate energy for me to expend. Sometimes 90% and 80%. If I wasn't feeling well, then it might be 50%. So this, Acknowledging what's what is in the moment and what's needed is a crucial part of our of our learning about ourselves. And of course, the, the the opposite is also true. How do I hit the mark through being appropriate? Okay, I misappropriate my energy and passion sometimes, and and it comes across as anger and and overwhelming or scary, whatever however you want to put it. And um, I have to go back and realize that. And it has helped me to temper uh, myself at, at times, not all the time. And and so for me, doing this, and I do this every year, I do it every month, I do it every week. Actually, I do it daily, but, uh, because I have to
1: continually keep myself aware. Rabbi? Yes. When you just said that, you know, went from annually to daily. So is there a particular time or a particular event? And do you do the whole inventory?
0: I review my day uh, 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 completely uh, every evening. Because, you see, Rebbe Eliezer in the Talmud, um, Shabbat 153a, says to do chuva one day before a death. His students asked him. No. I
1: knew you were going there anyway. Anyway, yeah.
0: No, but does a person know which day he will die? He said to him, you exactly. All the more so. A person should repent today. And, and so actually he's saying we should repent every day. We should do chuva every day. So for me, I have to do it because if I don't, then it builds up, builds up, builds up. And that's where my irrational coherence comes into being because I, I set myself up as to why I'm right for doing it and acting. See, because if you weren't like this, I wouldn't have to be like that. So the next part of my inventory is the inventory for, for, for this time of year is about our intuition, our instinct, our soul's knowing. And as as you can see here, it's it's a four square. When is my intuition right and I followed it? When is my intuition wrong and I followed it? When was my intuition right and I didn't follow it? And when was it wrong and I didn't follow it? So in a diagonal, we see where our, uh, from the left, top left, Intuition right and followed, intuition wrong and didn't follow. That is the areas of our living where we are maturing. Not totally matured, I don't know if we ever do. And of course, from top uh, right down to uh, bottom left is where our intuition, where our soul, where our, where our inner life needs help and needs, we need to focus on Maturing, growing, nurturing—those areas that really, really uh, keep tripping us up. Any questions, thoughts so far? Okay, so
1: I'm sorry, I have another one. Okay. Um, when you do this daily, do you actually write on your sheets?
0: Um, I I don't write on them so much anymore because I. Um, it's so ingrained after 35 years of doing it that, that I'm like.
1: And did you save earlier sheets? And do you ever go back to see your, traje- your trajectory? Oh yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I do it because I have, it's, it's just like, um, my interpretations of Torah. Okay. My understanding of Torah every year. If I, if I see, uh, um, any, any um, paric, any chapter it's covered the same way I saw it used before I know that I'm going backwards. I'm not going forwards.
1: I may ask one more. It's very personal, sure. but small group and you did the day before you die, is this something that your family knows that will be okay to read eventually, or are they supposed to get do they know that they should? Get rid of it without reading.
0: Well, I'm continually adding to an ethical with
1: my daughter for my family.
0: So that my my family knows everything about
1: me. I'm an open book. Ah, because if you in earlier years wrote that often, there must be a very large collection of your inventory sheets.
0: Yeah, and and you know, um, because I share them every year with my family, there's not a lot that they don't know.
1: Ah, I had missed, I had missed the part of sharing with your family. And do you do that during ELO?
0: Yes. Yes, I've done it. That's, that's the, um, that's the way we come together. That's the way we, we all come together. And we're all able to, the very young people, forgive one another because we know what we know what we're forgiving I'm on this here so we know what we're forgiving at that point okay hold on one minute let me just
1: close the door so does that make LL or does it depend on the year whether LL is your favorite month of the year or your least favorite month
0: well, They're all favorites, but elul and in in um uh, Nissan are the most joyous for me
1: ah, not Sukkot. How about that okay I'm holding you up, but thank you
0: no that's all right because i i get i get um I'm totally connected and totally um, um transparent, and the people closest to me are also, so we just strengthen the bonds of our covenant and our covenantal relationship. So the last two are, how have I missed the mark through negative speech towards myself and another's? Gossip. Gossip is, there's the delicious pleasure of lush and And really what I like to focus on is the negative speech towards myself, towards oneself. How often have we put ourselves down for any number of um, imperfections, inabilities, not knowings, uh, unskilled, uh unskilledness, you know, it's probably not a word, but uh, all of the things that we we say to ourselves that put ourselves down, all the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. So by going through it, and and again, who is impacted, including myself and God, how, what have I learned? And then, What's the children my plan to lessen these occurrences in the coming year? We we'll won't get rid of them. We'll always have them. And yet I have to look at how I can lessen them. And then that's the Barnard Dolphy, by the way. And then of course there's the, um, how have I hit the mark through positive speech towards myself and another? How have I given myself the, uh, um, the permission to, to, uh, um, to move forward, how do I speak to myself in a way that's loving, compassionate, caring and and um, trusting? how do I speak that way towards another? how do I give them the uh, opportunity to uh, um, and the encouragement to move forward in whatever they are um, whatever they're attempting to do in their own living because for me this is so very very important. And by doing this, that's the um those are the five let's see what is it? It's uh, uh nine worksheets. Um, which uh if you want I'll send to uh Ari. Um, actually Karen if you if you guys if you both give me your Karen, what's your email?
1: You want it in the chat or shall tell you right now? <clears throat>
0: If you tell me right now, I'll send it to you. <laughs>
1: K-A-K-P-H-D at Gmail. Okay. And I can I can tell you, but I also sent it because often people, as much as I say, don't put a C before the K in my last name, people do it anyway.
0: Okay. I'm going to send it to you also.
1: Do you need me to say it and spell it or get it? or Can you copy it from the chat?
0: Uh, I'm having a little bit of a problem copying it, but I've got it here, so I'll, I'll do
1: it. I see that. Go. I got it. I got it. Thank you.
0: Okay. You're welcome.
1: Um, did you send it to both of us at the same time?
0: Nope. Nope. I just sent it to you.
1: Oh, I just got it. Okay. I just got it too.
0: All right. And I have to send it to Ari also. So I, I can, I have his. Uh,
1: and so- Carl, um, and Carl was on.
0: Right, Carl, uh, he's gonna send it to Carl. Got it. So, um, Rabbi? Yes.
1: Do all your, uh, residents do the nine pages or is this yours?
0: Well, I share it with them, whether they do it or not is, you know. Yeah, okay. But I share it with everybody, so. Uh Uh, So I'd like to end with, with, of course, um, a, um, that it should be a, a good year, a sweet year, um, a year of more chuba. I think if we put more chuba into the world, the world gets better. And um, also that the beauty of the tradition is that this is always open to us. And I do a little piece that I I want um, what, to... What doing chuba does is it moves me from unnecessary suffering or neurotic suffering, as M. Scott Peck calls it, to essential pain. So I like to um, give the example of when I stub my toe, the pain doesn't last too long. Yesterday, I stubbed my toe as I was going to get my golf shoes to go play golf. And the pain dissipated a lot quicker. Then how I was, how could you be so dumb? Why weren't you watching? And blah, 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 blah. Now, to tell you the truth, I cut that off after about 10 minutes, which for me is success. But so many of us have stayed in the unnecessary suffering. Pain is pain, and it's real, and trauma is real. And the more we live in the suffering of it, the less we're able to deal with the pain of it. That's true, I think, psychologically. I know it's true spiritually. So for me, um, that's that's what this process allows me to do. It allows me to, to be in the essential pain of my errors and not the suffering of it. And it allows me to be in the solution rather than the problem. So I want to say thank you for your time. Thank you for your great questions. And and God bless. And it should be a sweet, sweet year for everybody. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, Go to tbala.org.